thank the uh, choir this morning for their good uh, reminder in music of what kind of life God calls us to try to live with each other. We're continuing with uh, our sermon series, Getting Off the Bus in Corinth, and this morning we are looking at 1 Corinthians, the second chapter, verses 1 through 12. So hear these words, Paul's words to the church in Corinth, and really, indeed, Paul's words to the church. When I, when I came to you, brothers and sisters, I did not come proclaiming the mystery of God to you in lofty words or wisdom. But I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I came to you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. My speech and my proclamation were not with plausible words of wisdom, but with a demonstration of the spirit and of power, so that your faith might rest not on human wisdom, but on the power of God. Yet, among the mature, we do, not, we do speak wisdom, though it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to perish. But we speak God's wisdom, secret and hidden, which God has decreed before the ages for our glory. None of our rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor human heart conceived, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God revealed to us through the Spirit, For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For what human being knows what is truly human, except the human spirit that is within? So also, no one comprehends what is truly God's, except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit that is from God so that we may understand the gifts bestowed on us by God. So that is uh, God's word, good word for us this morning. Let me uh, kind of continue to set the setting in which Paul is ministering, in which Paul is writing. The church in Corinth is divided in so many ways that it's hard to count them. They are divided over who the the best preacher that they had over the last several years is. Was it Paul? Was it Apollos? Was it Peter? Uh, It's even suggested in the early part of, of the first letter that they're divided over Christ. They can't agree on anything. And beyond that, they're arguing over communion, how it's to be celebrated. They are arguing over who is spiritually elite, who are the uh, people who are really gifted versus the, the rest of us. 
So there's an argument over whether uh, what it means uh, to speak in tongues, to speak in another language, to speak in the language of prayer, and whether people have that gift. And if you don't have that gift, then there's surely something wrong with you. And you're surely a lesser Christian than those who do. They're arguing over what kind of food they can eat and what they can't eat. They uh, can't seem to agree on much of anything. And so that's the church. And this is the church that Paul started. He'd been with a year or two earlier. He had ministered in the city of Corinth for at least two years, at least. And out of that ministry, this this church emerged. So these are people that that Paul knows well, people that he cares about, and, and people that he is very distressed to have received word of all these problems, of all these troubles. And so he writes to them, in the pastoral hope that they'll remember how they began. And more importantly than that, remember that in that beginning, they recognized one Lord, one baptism, one church. And that they could come together around that uh, very good beginning. So that's... That's what Paul says in this letter as he continues. Remember who you are and and how you started. And remember what has priority, what's important. Now, Richard Hayes, who's a professor, teacher at Duke Divinity School, says that one of the problems with the letter to uh, any of Paul's letters is that they were written a couple thousand years ago. And the problem for the preacher, the problem for the teacher, the problem for the church is, well, how do you appropriate something that that was written a couple thousand years ago and bring it into today's uh, language and today's setting? And and how does that have a word for us? And while the words and the specific problems that, that the church in Corinth was having may not match up with what goes on in churches today. Sometimes it does. The clear thing that does match up is the uh, differences, particularly in the last couple, two, three months, that have emerged among churches, and not just churches in our country, but our country generally. So, even in my own family, our family, Nancy uh, and I, we, we've had conversations about what's going on in this country and in this world. We've had conversations that I think would be fair to say that we've really never had, or at least the tone and spirit of those conversations. So we've gotten into to very tense kinds of circumstances, uh, arguments that have not felt comfortable. This, this is with family that we love and that we know love us. 
I'm talking about extended family now. Brothers, sisters, cousins. Uncomfortable conversations. Divided opinions. Conversations with other Christians about how it is that we move forward in this world and how we move forward in this country. And is what unites us stronger than than the things that we're allowing to divide us. Those kind of conversations with friends, with family, and those are the kind of conversations that were taking place in Corinth. These weren't arguments uh, between adversaries. These These are arguments that were causing people to become adversarial. Arguments that were dividing these folks in very harmful ways. Paul recognized that. And Paul spoke in the letter to that very circumstance. This week I got an email, I got a post that Michelle Schlottenhofer, our director of community ministries, uh, put on Facebook. And uh, it addresses the kind of uh, conversations, unhealthy conversations, that are increasingly taking place. She said, social media is a scary place for political posts right now. Remember your friends, family, who read your post will always be there. Who is president will change. Just a thought. Hashtag be respectful. Not a day goes by literally that I don't receive in my email particularly something from somebody concerning conversations, decisions that are taking place in our country. Our regional board, just in the last couple of weeks, less than a week, uh, wrote a letter to all the churches in Indiana addressing concerns about refugees. Now, in many of our churches, at least several of our churches, not only in this region but across the country, the Christian Church Disciples of Christ... Those churches, uh, a big part of their ministry is and has been for a long time refugee resettlement. They adopt families from another country, all kinds of countries. And in that adoption process, they try to assimilate them, help them get through the very uh, arduous difficult process of coming into this country. It's always been that way. Ask anybody who's in a church that tries to do this kind of work, and they'll tell you that. Help them resettle in the communities where the church is. Uh, Help them uh, secure employment, secure housing, 
It's a comprehensive kind of ministry. The Indiana Regional Board concerned about the churches in our state that have been affected dramatically. And the families uh, that they work with even more dramatically about some of the, uh, by some of the decisions that have been made just in the last couple of weeks. They concluded uh, a lengthy statement with this paragraph. Many of our congregations have experienced the joy of growing through helping refugees. The letter to the, letter to the Hebrews tells us that by showing hospitality, some have entertained angels without knowing it. We hope that our leaders will consider, reconsider their decisions so that we may continue to welcome new angels, new neighbors, and new citizens of the United States. There's nowhere in uh, Scripture that Jesus says to us, to the church, that somehow we are no longer to care about each other. And there's nowhere in Scripture that Jesus suggests, even slightly, even remotely, that that's easy. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus acknowledged, you know, it's easy to love the people that, you, that love you. It's easy to like the people that, that like you. Easy to get along with them. But that's not what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to love your enemies. Love people who are very different from you. Care about them. And show them that you care. Global Ministries, part of the general level of the church, called upon uh, all churches to try to reach out to people who are, are different religiously, especially, but also ethnically. And suggested it might not be a bad idea to have a Muslim come and speak to your congregation. And we did that a couple weeks ago. Enish Kazim did, a, did a, a great job of sharing something about who he is and something about who Muslims are. And he was very open to hear uh, some, some difficult questions that were asked of him. Dialogue. Dialogue that can lead to disagreement, but also deeper understanding. Trying to find common ground in the midst of what can be uncomfortable conversations with family and with close friends. Well, Paul suggests to the Corinthian church and to us that spiritual wisdom appropriating that, getting that, praying for that is a good way to begin asking for wisdom. And he says that don't forget the power of one person's witness, of your witness. And he offers a self-portrait because the thing that I get more than any other single thing when, when uh, I'm talking to somebody about how they can share their faith, how they can express that faith. Usually, almost always, 
the, uh, the resistance to that is, well, what if they ask me a question I don't know? What if, what if uh, you know, I'm, I'm in an awkward situation and I don't know exactly what to say? Well, Paul, I think, understood that reluctance, the fear of doing that, because he says in this letter, the verses we just read, 1 Corinthians uh, 4 and 5, and really beginning at 3, I came to you in weakness and in fear, with much trembling. It wasn't easy for me to do this. It wasn't easy for me to get off the bus in Corinth around people I didn't know and begin to talk about something that they had no clue about. It wasn't easy. I came with fear. I came with trembling. I was shaking in my boots. My speech, my proclamation were not with plausible words of wisdom. I didn't make the best intellectual argument that I could make in, other, in, in order to uh, address Greek philosophy. I just said what I knew and what Christ had done in my life. I came with a demonstration of the spirit and of power so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom but on the power of God. So all of you, I believe, have a story to tell in some way. Trusting not in your own, your own wisdom, your own power, but in God's power to use that witness, to use that statement that you make about what God has done in your life through Jesus Christ and about how that's changed you, changed the way you look at the world. And you do that with fear and trembling. It's not easy. But you trust in the power of God. The power of one's witness is God's power. And God has been pleased to make that power effective through all sorts of voices. So in 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter, in verse 7, Paul can talk about to us, uh, how we have this treasure in, in clay jars, uh, things that are fragile. You know, we're all cracked pots. But we have that gift. Spiritual wisdom is the power of one's own witness, trusting that that witness is effective because of the power of of God. You've got something to say to everybody, even in contentious kinds of discussions. Remember who you are. You're children of God. Spiritual wisdom is having the mind of Christ then. So, again in this letter, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 2, verse 12 and 16. Paul can talk about, now we've received this, not the spirit of this world, but the spirit is from God, so that we may understand the gifts that God has given us. And in verse 16, for who has known the mind of the Lord, so as to instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. 
And in Philippians, the second chapter, verse, verse 5. Let the, mind, the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. Wisdom, spiritual wisdom, is knowing that you have the mind of Christ. Praying as Solomon did for, for wisdom. So in 1 Kings, the third chapter, verse 9, Solomon, when he can ask for anything, he says, uh, praying to God, give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind, wisdom, to govern your people, be able to discern between good and evil. For otherwise, who can govern? Who can do that? I know why Solomon praised for wisdom. I, I experience that uh, every week with folks who show up at the door of this church and who have stories that, that uh, sometimes go on for quite a long while when they're, when they're uh, explaining their circumstance to me. And I'll be honest, quite frankly, I don't have a clue sometimes as to whether that story is, is uh, believable, possible, whether, whether, it, uh, whether this is something uh, that I can trust in order to use the resources of the church to, to try to help that person. And so there's not a week that goes by that, that, I, <laughs> that I don't pray for wisdom. And to try to act with the mind of Christ in all kinds of circumstances. I know why Solomon prayed for wisdom. I hear stories all the time from people that come off the street and from people who are part of the church that require wisdom that is certainly greater than the wisdom that I have. I have no choice but to rely on the power of God. And try to discern what the mind of Christ is. That's what Paul asked of the church. If you're trying to figure something out, pray to God for wisdom. And if you're trying to figure it out, try to, try to decide, try to function, try to act with the mind of Christ. Before you decide anything else, decide as best I'm able, I'm going to act with the mind of Christ. I will have the same mind that Christ has. That's what I will seek. That's what I will try to, uh, to be about. That's how one maintains the uh, standard of Christian community in a way that's wholly in tune with love and justice. You have the mind of Christ. And finally, spiritual wisdom is about the kingdom of God. It's not about the kingdom of this world. It's not about the kingdom of man, of humankind. So in Mark, the first chapter, Mark tells us why Jesus came into this world. He came proclaiming, in verse 14 and 15, that the kingdom of God is near. 
Well, we know what happens when two kingdoms collide. The New Testament, the Gospels tell us what happened. When the kingdom of God collided with the kingdom of man, the kingdom of man's solution was to hang Jesus on a cross and kill him. Problem solved. Not so fast. Because the message of the cross is that we can do our worst. We can be at our worst. God will still love us. That's the power of the resurrection. God still comes to us in that power of the resurrection. says, you're forgiven people. Don't forget that. Don't forget that in Christ Jesus, nothing will separate you from my love. It can be better. We don't have to be at each other's throats and we don't have to make sure that the kingdom of man becomes the priority in our life. It's the kingdom of God. That's why we're here in church this morning. Because we believe that there's something about what Jesus did that points us toward the kingdom of God. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. You prayed it this morning. You pray it every Sunday. Well, what happens when those kingdoms collide? 2 Corinthians, the 13th chapter, verse 5. Here's what the cross challenges us to do. Examine yourselves to see whether you are living in faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Jesus Christ is in you? The power of God. God's wisdom for you, for me. God's promise to us that we can have conversations that don't have to lead to division. That we can have different opinions. But if we're seeking the mind of Christ, God will find a way to lead us to common ground together. That's our prayer. That's our hope. That's what we long for. That's what we uh, desire above anything else. God's kingdom. God's wisdom for our life. Remember, as you examine yourself, remember, Christ lives in you. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for your patience with us, your forgiveness of the things that uh, we do that are not well considered, that, that we act on our own and don't seek your power and don't seek your wisdom and don't have the mind of Christ. God, forgive us for that. And Lord, remind us always that, that you're in us, that you're with us, that we journey not alone. We journey in your spirit and the spirit of people that you put in our lives. It's in Christ's name. Amen. Our hymn of commitment this morning.